You are listening to episode 257 of the Game Deflators Podcast. My name is John, and I'm joined by Ryan. Hey, everybody here at the Game Deflators Podcast, we like to talk about games. We've recently picked up games we're currently playing, and we're ready to suffer like G did in this week's Inflation Deflation Challenge. So uh, this week, special week, we have Barry Carenza of Premium Edition Games, who is joining us this week. Hello, Barry. Hello. Thanks so much for having me. No problem. And we're also talking House of the Dead 2 and 3 on the Nintendo Wii. Uh, more on that later. But first, you can find the Game Deflators at thegamedeflators.com, our currently up-to-date website, Barry Carenza. Um, wow. Last time it was out of date. Yeah, we, we made some modifications to remove certain pages so I don't have to update them anymore and they don't stay update. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you can also find us on YouTube. Just search up at the Game Deflators on there. Um, you can also find us on social media. So Twitter or X is going to be at Game Deflators. Instagram and Facebook is at The Game Deflators. And you're listening to a podcast on a podcast app. Leave us a five-star review. Uh, and if you have multiple podcast apps, leave us multiple five-star reviews. We'd greatly appreciate it. So kicking things off, recent pickups. I think we, Barry and I probably have one of the same pickups here. <laughs> uh, I went ahead and got Mario Wonder. And uh, that copy is actually not going to be arriving till the 24th. I forgot the pre-order, funny enough, just because of everything going on right now. And lucky for me, I went on Walmart's website and you could actually, I don't know if it's still as of this recording and, and as you're listening to it, but I was actually able to order with the trading card pack and the actual game on their website for a delivery nice. for this week. So uh, didn't miss out on the pre-order bonus on that, which is nice. And then I heard that some Target locations are actually uh, still giving out the shadow box. Uh, they had some extras, apparently. So good there. Um, but of course, I haven't played it yet. So I'm I'm eagerly waiting to see what you have to say, Barry, um, you know, once we get to the currently playing. And MTG cards. So always picking up Magic cards whenever I can um, for my standard decks. Definitely still enjoying playing that on a week-to-week basis, collecting, developing decks, and so on. Uh, and I'm trying to think of anything else. Um, I think that was it pickup wise this week. That's usually it. <laughs> yeah. Magic cards is usually my pickup. And then as, or some D and D stuff from occasion, uh, this week was special though. We picked up Mario wonder and then I'm hoping to add some premium edition games to the list, uh, or some of the, uh, the Kickstarter stuff that you guys are working on too, or not working on, but partnering with, uh, certain developers. Um, and as far as currently playing, I am currently playing Last of Us 2 still, so replaying in a sense. So Barry, I don't know if you had been keeping up with prior episodes, but uh, you know, my wife and I, we watched the series. She really enjoyed it. We played Last of Us for a period of time, got super busy, couldn't play Last of Us for a while, got back to it, finished it. She enjoyed it and then said, all right, let's pick up Last of Us 2 like right away. So we started playing that and we are currently, we just got passed with scars at the hospital. Um, so that piece where you're just battling the scar enemies in the game and making your way towards the, uh, I think it's the aquarium, if I recall, or at least a boat section where they're like searching for Ellie. So definitely enjoying it. Um, you know, more so than I thought I would playing it again, since it has been probably about three years now, four years since I played it. Uh, I didn't think I was going to enjoy it as much as I am. And I'm catching things that I didn't catch before, which is fantastic. And as we're going through and exploring, seeing the different notes and getting like it, 
a better understanding of the overall world and some of the struggles that different like non-characters had you know like you see a dead body it's holding a note and you're like oh what happened like we read one yesterday that said oh i i got shot by scars and i, was, I stole this medicine from the hospital i need to get it to my wife if you find it please get it to her she's pregnant blah blah blah, blah. and you're just like wow that's sad but we know the wife's dead. We know that things didn't turn out the way they, they would have. And it's just interesting to go into the game with like a different perspective than I did initially. And I don't play games a second time very often. So um, definitely different. Uh, and then I finally beat White Knight Chronicles on the nice. PlayStation 3. This is, I think, Barry, I started this when you were last on the podcast. That's how long <laughs> it's been. Well, you got to uh, do the second one now. No, I'm good. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I might. I might just for this. It's you know, a trap. I was going to say story, but like there's there's no story like it's just not good. It's not well written. Um, I'll, I'll do my quick little review on this. So, you know, the gameplay. I, by the way, Ryan, I beat the game at level 33. That should be an indication to you as to like from, I guess, a level up perspective. But then just to turn in terms of like, you know, most RPGs, you put in like 20 something hours. You're like, I don't know, maybe 50 or 60 at the end. Level 33 just seems so odd to me to beat an RPG. Um, but to me, it was again, like super easy. Not once did I die in the game for any battle boss or not. Um, I structured my stuff to where I had one person that was mainly magic and just healing another person that was a tank and healing and then myself who was a tank and healing. So everybody had the ability to heal. Everybody had tanking type properties with their, their weapons and their defense. And then the game is kind of like its own cheat code and that they allow you to turn into a giant knight of the arc. And you could just smash everything left and right and not worry about what's happening. Like if you're doling out 200 damage to enemies every single battle as a knight, what else is there to do, right? And then there's multiple characters that can become knights as well. So it was in terms of the overall gameplay, to me, it was lacking. Um, you know, I, I love the world. I think it's a beautiful looking world. And the graphics to me were great for a PS3 game, but it was very linear. Um, you know, you do get some exploration aspects within these dungeons, but there's no rhyme or reason as to why you would do it. They've got these different things like boosting up your weapons, uh, with, with, um, shards and other things within the game as you collect them. Not once did I do that. I just used the base power for weapons. I didn't have to power up in any capacity. Um, so like there's all of these extracurricular things that you just, it feels like you don't truly need to get the most out of a game. And then the story for me just wasn't really there. It's not super compelling. Like at first you're captured. You're like, okay, cool. There's a princess who uh, her dad was just killed or the king was just killed. And, um, you know, these people are invading the Magi and you go and find this giant, you know, knight armor and you turn into and like that's compelling at first. But then it just falls off a cliff for me. It's like hard to really want to keep up with the story. There's no true plot twist until like the very end. There's like one plot twist. You're like, eh, I kind of could see that's a thing um, with one of the characters. And in general, I just didn't find myself captivated. Like I will admit, I fell asleep a number of times playing this game. Um, however, if the game is captivating enough, I shouldn't really have to fall asleep in the middle of the game. Like I've got other games I've picked up. Last of Us 2 is a great one. I haven't fallen asleep one time since we're playing that. And I know what's going to happen. Like I get into scenes and I'm like, Okay, cool. Like I know this happens, this happens, this happens, this enemy comes out of this location, etc. Like there's just things you remember and I'm not falling asleep. White Knight Chronicles, there were times Barry where I could literally like I pop on the PlayStation 3, I sit back, I start going through a dungeon, I kill two enemies and then I find myself asleep and still walking into the same wall. 
Like, <laughs> you know, it's, it's just what it ended up being. And so I think for me, I would honestly put this game, if I scaled it on the one to a 10, it's a four for me after wow. every after everything that I played and the experience I had, the fact that it wasn't keeping my attention, uh, it's got to be a four. I heard the <sighs> second one's better. Like they improved a lot on it. Ryan told me it was worse. No, I had I'd watched a a little video of when you started playing the game that was about like one and two. And they said that, you know, they did make improvements in the second one. But like if the first one wasn't your jam, there's nothing really in the second one that's going to like pick it up and carry you the rest of the way. I mean, if the story is compelling enough, I think that's fine. For me, it was really a lot of a repetitive gameplay. Um, The battles. What you mean, like an RPG? No, I mean, dude, <laughs> RPGs are not necessarily. So when you consider like a Final Fantasy or something along those lines, you have different enemies that have different abilities and there's different magics that will affect said enemies. There's different types of sequences where you got to say, oh, on this enemy, I know they have a higher armor. I've got to go ahead and boost up my, you know, my attack or I got to lower their defense or I got to do certain aspects. The only two things that really happened to me, there are a couple or three things I got. I had sleep a couple times paralysis a couple times and i was poisoned a few times none of those were a true detriment to my gameplay and i never died at one point because of that so you know i i really think with an rpg there needs to be a little more depth into into the battles and what's happening and you know a true rpg that you're playing if you are like too low of a level you're dying you're not getting past that rpg unless you strategically say i need to have x items that are going to you know, boost up my character or I need to have, you know, this particular ability is boosted up and allows me to do X, Y, Z. There's none of it in White Knight Chronicles for me. It was just, I'm a low level. I'm blazing through this. I just have to raise the types of attacks. And also on top of that, all the different attacks you can do in combinations, I didn't even need to use them. It was just like slash, slash. Okay, I want to go ahead and do a combo. Cool. But if I do a combo, it removes my ability to turn into a knight faster. So let me not do that. So it's just like constantly slashing. Um, the same exact attack every single time. It was just not a good game. And I'm I'm honestly shocked by there's a few reviews I've seen that one guy was like, oh, this is a 10 out of 10. Um, I love everything. Level five is done. I'm like, aha, you're a dark, um, not dark. Uh, you are. God, why am I spacing out on the damn game now? Dark Cloud. You're a Dark Cloud fan who likes level five and level five can do no wrong. Like, that's why it's a 10 out of 10 for you, because every single other review I'm watching is like, six out of ten three out of ten there's a couple sevens one or two eights to say yeah the game's got its flaws but i enjoyed it and this is my perspective so yeah that, that's it folks don't play white knight chronicles <laughs> all right is. ryan <laughs> I, I'm, I'm turning it over to you <laughs> yeah so uh nothing compelling for me this week i did not pick up anything uh i have put oh this is the wrong number i'm about 15 hours deep into backpack battles on steam though and i'm really just kind of addicted just doing like one more run one more run um it's a it's a fun indie game i talked about it a little bit last week where you have you know uh a turn-based auto battler uh every in between round you have a little store where you could buy things from you have to put together a backpack on a grid kind of like you're managing your attache case from like resident evil or something and you got to fit 
your weapons and your vegetables and your frying pans and all your other adventuring gear into the backpack have it all jenga in just perfect and line up so that you could get the most bonuses and then you let your little auto battlers just kind of bash against each other for 90 seconds until one of you comes out on top and like all the different builds are super fun uh there's so many different like you know like slight variations that you could do or like you could try to just like brute force through on like one type of build but you know depending on what the shop actually gives you is going to determine you know kind of the direction you should go with your build or whether you should just keep re-rolling the shop to force what you're trying to build so i spent a bunch of time yesterday doing like a giant buster sword build because they have all kinds of like references to other gaming stuff out there so you could get like Cloud's big buster sword. There are like uh, gems that you can slot into weapons to give effect. And of course, the buster sword's so big, it has like four slots. So I'm just like cranking out gems, getting all these added effects <laughs> and just destroying everything. It, it was a ton of fun. And I, I'm honestly thinking about doing it as soon as we get off the podcast again. So, you know, what you should be thinking of is completing the darkness. You know, I did think about that yesterday and I let those moments slip away from me. It was fun. Barry, Ryan (laughs) issued me as I think you might have been on that episode. Issued me a summer games challenge. Now, keep in mind, summer, summer. okay, games challenge. And I think this was in like, was it March or April? I don't know. No, I think it was like April. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was April. Okay. And so I figured, let me give Ryan a nice eight, <laughs> maybe 10 hour game. Let me give him darkness on the PlayStation three loaned it to him actually. And, um, I said, you're going to enjoy the game. I think it's great. It's got great reviews. A lot of people enjoy it. Uh, you'll like it. And so he says, okay, he plays however many hours, but keep in mind his new game's resolution is Pikmin, which he is also four hours into. All mm-hmm. right. Pikmin one, Pikmin yeah. one. That's a short game. He still has. Yeah, it's literally only eight hours long. <laughs> he he has put fifteen hours into backpack battles, where he could have put eight hours into two other games and just completed them. Yep, yep, a hundred percent. I did that. <laughs> I, I think punishment is deserving, even on Pikmin. I think punishment is needed for like. No, you can't punish me for Pikmin until the end of the year. That's how it works. I always get things done like the last you, week of December. You, you even know me, have John. another chance with Pikmin because you could do the Switch version if you don't want to do the GameCube or the Wii version. Yeah. I I mean, they're both good games. Like, So the Darkness, I got to last week. I had just finished Chapter 4, which was when you go back to like the Darkness realm and take control. So I'm back in reality. Whoop, there goes gravity. No, I need to uh, take over you know, the town. I need to take down my uncle and and do all the mob stuff. So I don't know how many sections are in Chapter 5 as I've been following the guide. But I don't even think that's very much left. I think you're actually like right towards the end. Yeah, it probably can't be too much. I was actually planning on trying to get that uh, wrapped up today at some point so that I can be ready for next week. Yeah, like, I I don't know. I think there's, yeah, there's actually quite a few chapters. Hold on. No, there's five chapters. You're literally yeah, on the last chapter. Yeah, I just don't know how many sections it is because it's like I'm following the IGN guide, which is like that's what some I'm on of right now. Worst guides to like click through on your mobile. There's seven sections, and yeah, the IGN guides are terrible. Um, yeah, interesting. But yeah, you got to beat that one for sure. And let me know what you think. I actually was considering playing The Darkness uh, Two as mm-hmm. my next game. But uh, for sure, my wife and I are playing Wonder. And sorry, one more thing before we jump to Barry and his recent pickups and such. I am still playing Magic the Gathering Arena, and I finally hit Mythic. 
Oh yeah, that's ranking. right. You sent me a picture of that. Congrats. Yeah, so that was that was good. Um, finally got there, which means uh, now I can get destroyed by all the other mythic decks that got there, and and yeah, get my five packs at the end of the thirty day period. So I think I started ranked like within a nine. Uh, so it has if you're the higher your percentage, the higher your rank. So I started at ninety eight, and I got my ass kicked so many times. I'm at ninety five now. Nice. So, I mean, you're talking like all the top players on there, right? So like, I, I wouldn't consider myself a top player, but I'm a very good player of magic and I, I know what to do, but I'm also very stubborn and I don't want to spend money on this game. So everybody that has pumped in a ton of money on this game is, you know, whooping me of like crazy decks that they've built out. Whereas I'm like, eh, you know, I'll just kind of keep gathering gold, play my burn deck and see how things go. So- um, but I am gathering rare, like the rare wild cards to be able to purchase or not. I mean, purchase other types of cards. And then whenever I go to live events, which I do frequently or not frequently, but every other week, they uh, have been giving a thousand experience points, which usually equates like a free bonus pack. Cool. So So do they reset the ladders every month? Yeah, it's like I think every 30 or 45 days or something. But because I hit mythic, I'll start at diamond, which means my climb up isn't as bad. Whereas before and once you hit a certain like stone or like metal. So if you hit platinum, you can't go lower than platinum, even if you're like platinum four and you lose 10 times you stay at platinum if you hit diamond and you lose a bunch of times you stay at diamond okay. mythic is the same deal you just lower your percentage of like in the mythic players you lower what rank you are within mythic um but yeah so i'll probably start at i guess diamond technically uh when the ladder restarts which means i won't have to go through a bunch of platinum games to get the diamond to then go through diamond again and diamond is like the most difficult there were times where i was like one win away from hitting uh mythic and then I would face a deck that I'm not good against. I would lose. I'd win again. I'm one win away. And then I lost like six in a row. I was like, mm. you've got to be kidding me. So I had to climb back up, lost several games in a row, climb back up. So it was just like this constant, like, why can I not like get past this last win? I hate that so much. And then finally I got against like one deck where I just like unloaded everything. And he quit when he still had 10 life. And I'm like, cool, because I was out of gas at that point. Um, like there was nothing happening the next turn for me. So, yeah, I mean, that's uh, really how it goes uh, with arenas and uh, looking forward to, you know, my goal on that is to continue to build up like an understanding of the different decks that are in the meta. So when I face them in person, it's easier for me to understand like what's going to happen and what's going to be played, uh, but also just, you know, building fun decks on there. And then if I like them, I can buy them for physical cards and, and play those in person too. So. Yeah, that's the part of magic that's just like too big brain beyond me. Like I can do my deck, but like having to understand and guesstimate like what the odds the person's going to do on their next turn and what's going to be in their deck and what I need to be ready for. That's like that's too much time and attention that I don't have to give. Well, so I'll give you an example. Like last night, this guy that I was playing, um, he had a counterspell in his hand. I knew it like right off the bat. I'm like, he's got two cards in his hand. One of them is definitely a counterspell. And so I had like four mana open. I had a three drop creature I wanted to play and I had a one drop creature, but I knew if if he counterspelled it, okay, because my three drop was going to deal three damage that turn anyways. So I, I read it right. I'm like, all right, let me drop my one drop creature. I've already got a two, two on the field and he counterspelled it. I'm like, all right, cool. You tapped out. Here's my three drop and went ahead and swung out on that and took out a good chunk of life just on that one turn. But those are plays that 
historically in the past, I probably wouldn't have made. And I wouldn't have thought what's in the guy's hand. What could he potentially play? How much money yeah. do I have? What's happening here? And I found that's translated into the physical game uh, in stores. When I see a guy, I'm like, how many cards you got in your hand? Oh, you got three. Okay. You've got four mana untapped. All right. I know what's coming. Like I know what card you're planning on playing. So let me throw in my one drop. Let me swing. Okay. You're going to exile or you're going to bring in your planeswalker. Okay, I've got a burn card in hand. I'm going to play that now. Your planeswalker's dead, and let's move on to the next turn. So, like little things like that, I wouldn't have really kind of gotten such a firm understanding without like frequent play, and that's what I've gotten out of this. And see, as an old counterspell player, that was always the best when people would do that, and you'd counter, and they'd be like, "Ha, thanks for wasting your counter," and they'd play it, and you go, "Oh, I have force of will, you," and they just yeah. want it first. <laughs> That's why I love legacy, dude. Like turn one force of will. Somebody's like, all right, I'm going to go ahead and drop like this one card that's going to, you know, allow me to catapult my deck to like a quick turn free when you're like, no, nah, I'm going to force a will that <laughs> like good luck. So, all right, Barry, let's uh, let's move on from magic and move on to you. Uh, I I know you have at least one pickup this week. Yeah. So, uh, you know, in terms of switch, I, I everything that comes out. I'm grabbing for the set, which is getting stupid big at this point. <laughs> but of course, I grab Mario Wonder. Um, I grab like Spider-Man 2, Sonic Superstars, stuff like that. Um, but I'm, I'm doing Mario Wonder first. I've also been on this real big kick for one of the reasons we, we're going to talk about in a little bit. Um, in bolstering my Blu-ray DVD sets. Because now that I have a child... I want him to have access to the shows that I grew up with. And, you know, I'm a big superhero fan, Marvel, DC, you know, stuff like that, sci-fi, like Transformers, uh, all that stuff. I love that stuff growing up. I want him to have it. And I also want to have it for myself because I don't trust any streaming service. They're always removing stuff. Who knows what streaming is going to be like in five years, let yeah. alone 10 years. And, and, and you know, I, I'm a big physical media advocate. So I've been buying like crazy just sets of like trying to get like everything for every single series like i just got like the george reeves superman uh tv show you know the uh the old radio shows are on dvd i'm like i'll grab those the old like 1940s batman serials are on dvd and i'm like wow i didn't even know this was preserved That's crazy. like let me grab this it was like 10 bucks i'm like i'm gonna grab this for and you know just just because it's cool the, the history of it all uh, one of the things I grabbed, which is absolutely terrible, which is Legends of the Superheroes, which the more people I talk to, the more people have no idea what this is. Yeah. And I didn't know about it till YouTube. And it's ironically the first appearance, first live action appearance of a lot of DC superheroes made by Hanna-Barbera in the 70s, 78. And it is absolutely terrible. It's two like hour long specials. And I can't believe they put these on DVD because they're so bad filled with 70s music and 70s special effects but it's notable because batman is adam west and robin is burt ward live action these are all live action so they reprise their role a decade after the show uh their you show know, ended. I, I i didn't know by name but i, I do recognize that show i've seen scenes yeah. from that show in yeah the past. it's terrible and the second episode is a superhero roast hosted by ed mcmahon himself <laughs> so you see like ed mcmahon getting the crap kicked out of him by solomon grundy it's like what the hell is going on they have a superhero called ghetto man which is just as bad as it sounds like it would never air today so I'm like, i have to own this like this is something that will never appear on streaming you know coincidentally dc storytelling really hasn't changed in all that time either <laughs> no it hasn't 
Um, but I've been like on a kick to just try to get everything because it's a finite collection. You know, there's only so many series that have come out in the past. And this, and if my son doesn't have any of it, then sorry, you're saddled with a bunch of DVDs and Blu-ray. But so we did the same approach recently, by the way. Um, when it came, exact same reason you outlined, right? Not trusting tre- streaming services with Disney ripping content off a year after it's come out because oh well, we just want to take it off to take it off. I think She-Hulk might have been one of them, or it might have been another series that they had recently created, but they took it off the service, right? So. We were like, well, what's stopping them from saying, oh, we're going to, you know, take off all of our kid Disney movies or animated films like Sword in a Stone and all of that? Or how are we going to, based on today's norms or acceptances, how are we going to modify certain movies? Like I just heard recently people were upset because Lion King um, involves uh, Mufasa dying. And because of that, they want to remove it. It's an introduction to it to death to a child or Bambi's mom removing Bambi's mom you know, and that whole scene from the film, like the fact that they can edit some of these older films to remove, like, you know, things that we grew up on. Right. So I'm like, I, if I, as a parent, you know, I'm okay with my child watching that I should be okay with that. So I've been collecting the same point, Blu-rays and DVDs and such um, of older Disney films, studio Ghibli, et cetera. So that way I just kind of have those on hand yeah. and we're going to utilize, it. we're going to a trip in Texas later this year. It's a 16 hour drive. And you know, I'm I'm taking dogs and stuff, Ryan. So I, I kind of have to. Uh, yeah, I know, right? So 16 hours of dogs and a baby in a car. But what else were we supposed to do to try and keep his attention? So luckily, somebody gave us a portable DVD player, and we're gonna hook that up to the car and Disney movies on the trip, mm-hmm. right? Yes, I could do that with a tablet, but a tablet has a battery life. I can't plug it in directly to the uh, the system, and unless I'm downloading films onto the tablet. I have to go via internet. So now I'm using internet service and so on. Physical media is just oh, pop it in. We're good. That's yep. it. Move on to the next one. So um, yeah, same reasoning, but yeah. go on. Sorry. No, so, you know, not only that, but sometimes episodes are banned um, afterwards. Like we're, mm-hmm. my wife and I were rewatching Pokemon. Like we we're trying to go through the entire series all, every 25 years worth. Um, and like some of the early episodes were banned because like jinx is there because jinx is black originally before they turned to purple and those episodes did get a release on the first printing of the the seasons so it's like oh i had to go track down the first printing of those to have those episodes and at least have more of the story you know some some were never came out at all i can't do yeah. anything with that but when they came here and then were retroactively banned it's like no i i want those i want those yeah. in my collection they exist they yeah. were dubbed you know yeah oh. mr popo and dbz another one right uh, well, same. They, 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 did they change his color? He's always I'm pretty been. sure they changed him to purple as well. I, I thought Mr. Popo has always been black. Uh, I think they changed him to purple. Did they uh, have the? Uh, there was that like Porygon episode. I always remember that never the rumors came out. that it got like banned because of uh, epilepsy and stuff. Yeah, that never came out. It wasn't even Porygon that did it. It was Pikachu that did it. Like he used like a Thunderbolter and it like the electric flashes. Uh, they did dub it like like turn it down the dimness in that particular scene and, and a lot of other scenes since. But that episode was never translated to English. It was never aired again. They took like a I think it was a four month break and they added a brand new episode called goodbye pikachu oh so he's still black he's just no, lighter black oh no no he's blue <laughs> he's blue in that oh uh, yeah. the, my mind he's green. black he's yeah. black um, but yeah so they they made an episode called goodbye pikachu that was literally a you know fake goodbye to pikachu uh to try and build sympathy with the viewers like don't hate pikachu for sending your kid <laughs> to the hospital <laughs> you know oh. he didn't do anything wrong <laughs> so that episode exists and that was dubbed uh, that episode was dubbed. 
but it was done pretty much because of that. That's funny. But yeah, going through and just collecting all this stuff now, it's, it's, you know, unfortunately running out of space, but I'm, I'm discovering things I never knew just going through these rabbit holes. Like, oh, they, they made a, you know, this, the series, or they made a Fantastic Four in the seventies. I forgot about where Herbie, the robot is there instead of the human torch, you know? And (laughs) yeah, yeah. Like there's a lot of weird stuff that came beforehand and, I don't know how much my son's going to like. I don't even know how much of it I'm going to eventually find the time to watch because it's, you know, watching a whole series of 100 episodes or even 70 episodes. That's a lot of time. Yeah. But I want to have access to it like a library if I ever do or my friends do. And, you know, someone comes over and says, oh, let's watch this. Even just watching a five episodes here or there uh, just to have fun with it. Um, because, I, again, I don't trust um, one, one series my wife and I loved was Titans, you know, the from mm-hmm. on DC. It was on Max. And, like, that's an adult show. It's a really good show, but it's an adult show. And I'm like, well, you know, by the time my son is ready to watch it, he's going to be, like, 14 years old. Maybe I'll let him. In 14 years, I don't know if Max is going to be around or what the right. state of the streaming. I'm getting it on Blu right now because I know I could watch it, show it to him, and he can watch it in 14 years when he's ready. So it's interesting. Uh, yeah. I mean, like, acquisitions occur. I mean, Disney was uh, 20th Century Fox, for example. Like, I'm surprised that half the Simpsons episodes I've watched on on Disney Plus have not been censored because there's so much content that I'm watching. I'm like, how is this not, like, censored right now? Like, I'm okay with it, but, like, a lot of people aren't. So, I like, some of the episodes were, like, they go to Japan, for example. Um, there's that. content in that that I'm like, mm, there's some stigmas in there that, like, some people could get upset over and, and cancel. So it, it's interesting to, like, just know that as these acquisitions continue, there are going to be episodes, there are going to be movies, things that are just like, nope, we're not showing this anymore. It's not available because of X, Y, Z reason, or they'll remake it and then they'll remove a number of pieces of content that they that they deem unacceptable, right? Based on well, all they norms. need to do is put a disclaimer at the very least in the beginning and say this is this was made in this date yeah, 1942 this, right these, what this was acceptable at the time we do not hold these values you know than these same beliefs in our company but we're leaving it this way to preserve its original version yeah, yeah. watch your at own the beginning risk. of some things i've seen that on disney stuff before yeah. yeah and all they have to do is that i don't think anyone could would complain if that's all they did because it lets you know you know that the, the company doesn't have to stand for whatever message was said, especially yeah. if it's something they bought from Fox because they didn't yeah. even make it themselves. Yeah. But here it is preserved. And if they want to, and they want an altered version, let people say, here's here's the original. But if you find this sensitive, we've altered it and you can watch the altered version. Yep. And they do that with anime and stuff nowadays too, where it's just like, oh, well, there's a certain, I, actually, if you think about the Dragon Ball Z series, right? Like they cut out a lot of content because people had the choice now, right? I want to sit through hour long, multiple episode battles and powering up and all of that. Or I want a reduced version of that, right? You're talking DBZ Kai? Yeah, DBZ Kai. So, I mean, like you have those alter alterations in a sense of what you can and can't watch or what you want to watch based on the user. And that really should be how it is. Um, but no, everybody long- needs to see eight episodes of Fire Tornadoes on Namek everybody <laughs> you mean where it's going to take five minutes for the planet to explode for you know 30 for episodes like 30 episodes yeah, yeah. <laughs> or what i'm dealing with in one piece now like the battle of kaido and everything it's like one night but it's taken a hundred it's literally i think the the wano arc has been four years in the making on the anime like people have literally been watching this four years and i just finished it uh and i started it like what 12 months ago mm-hmm. right so <laughs> so i feel bad for everybody else but now i'm caught up and it sucks 
Oh man. So uh, Barry, what else you got going on? Uh, that's it in terms of, you know, just like collecting and, and what I've got in and playing, uh, playing, I did a couple things. I did uh, Detective Pikachu Returns uh, because that just came out earlier this month and I couldn't finish it. I, mm. I, I actually stopped halfway through, not because the game is bad, not because it looks like a 3DS game, because it probably was. It's because I love detective style games. I love Danganronpa. I love AI. I love zero escape i uh just early this year master detectives rain code came out loved it loved it loved it this is like baby's first detective game like mm. i could play this with my kid and it's not because it's pokemon at all it's because you you start a, when with a normal detective game it's like all right who did it and you come up with a theory and by the time you finally find out who really did it you've had like 10 different suspects it's always changing there's always new evidence there's always twists and turns and it's always keeping you on your toes and in this it's like oh who did it oh i think it's that one and it turns out to be that one like you got it on the first guess and it takes you you know an hour's worth of gameplay of going through the motions just to be like what you knew already so it's like i was like so bored i'm like oh do i really have to i have to go here and then i have to quote i know it's there like it, that's the person i have enough evidence i can prove it but no i've got to go through the motions before my character will finally be like all right yeah here's the evidence and i just found myself so bored with it because i was like i just it was no turns it was no excitement yeah. so as a, as a first entry into a detective style game it's great it's absolutely great and i plan to introduce it to my son and he gets older and let him play and i think he'll have a blast mm -hmm. especially because games like denk and rampa with blood and everything yeah. like that and murder and uh, might not be the best but i think coming right off a of rain code where like the first mission is four or first uh, mystery is like four different locked room murders and locked room murders are really interesting because like how did it happen how do they get out the room was locked um and then you have to piece it together and figure that out like that was so complex that's just the first chapter and like here it's like oh who stole this uh this prized gem i don't know we should check it must be a pokemon oh cramran seems to be having a stomach ache and he's known for swallowing things <laughs> should we check cramran no let's let cramran just walk back to the house in misery and pain for a while and we're gonna make him wait until we finally maybe rub the back of his head and, and get him to spit up <laughs> no it's right there i'm spoiling it it's right there like anyone with, with any type of intelligence is like dude you have a stomach ache let's cough it up you even yeah. talk about how you can cough it up nope yeah. we're gonna let you wallow in misery have fun i'm like what <laughs> it's right there we'll see that's that's the entry to dr pikachu oh yeah, yeah that's where that comes in <laughs> it, it, it's it's like it, aggravating because you know it's like all right this is obvious and then i'm like well maybe there's a twist maybe he swallowed something else and like nope nope it's exactly as you expect <laughs> uh so it's it's one of those things like the second chapter wasn't even a even a mystery it was just like a going through a, a dungeon kind of deal i'm like this isn't even a mystery what the heck is going on here wow so i'm like yeah this is too it's too easy yeah yeah, yeah i don't mind playing games on easy mode for the story but it was it was too easy but if that's your jam, you know, I, I just thought about this as after I said, Dr. Pikachu, and I'm like, 
what if they made a game called Poka Center and it was basically just Trauma Center, but for Pokemon? Oh, God. Yeah, you play as Nurse Joy. <laughs> you play as Nurse Joy, yeah, and you have a chancy, and you're just like surgically going at it with Pokemon and her anatomy. There you well, go. no, it would just be spraying people with health potions and putting That's Pokeballs true. on yes. the table. It'd be you're just all better. super <laughs> easy. Yeah, right. All right, we're good. We're done. <laughs> Two hours of gameplay at most. You know, but, if uh, you like uh, good mystery stuff, I saw Haunting in Venice a couple weeks ago. That was pretty good. Oh. It's part of those like Detective Poirot series, like the Death oh, of the, the Nile and the Glass Onion guy or no, that's different. Oh, that's a different one. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know what you're talking about. The Nile was good. I liked that one. Mm-hmm. And they did uh, the Death on a Train one. Orient as well. Express. Yeah. Orient Express. Yeah, that yeah. was good, too. Nice. I have to check that one out. Uh, Mario Wonder. I got to know. Yes. Yes, so I, I am playing Mario Wonder. I have it, it's, it's nice because each level gives you different star rankings, and I could say even as a single player, it is easier playing it online. Because I started playing single player, and then I was like, oh, let me just put on the online to see what the functionality is like, and it works so well. Yeah. Because you see other people playing, they can sometimes help you because you see them like going climbing up a beanstalk that's not on your screen. Like, oh, there's something there. When you die, they can help you revive, and you can revive them. You put the standees there, and you can't revive with your own standee, but your standee will help other people. But their standees could help you too. Uh, so it does make the game easier. So if you want a little more of a challenge, stay offline. If you want a more, you know, an easier challenge or an easier time, do online. But I don't know how long that's going to be the case. Like right now it's fresh. There's a ton of people playing, you know, in five years from now, you might go online and you might not see anybody per level. And it's, it's a, unfortunately a product of the online element, but it still plays perfectly fine single player. Uh, so there's six worlds in a hub world. I've done all six worlds and the hub world. So I can go right to Bowser, but now I've started going back and I've completed the first two worlds a hundred percent. Because at first I'm like, oh, it's not counting everything. And then I realized like, oh, it does show everything when you can select levels. Because each level has three purple coins, three ten, like 10 point purple coins, like the old Yoshi dragon coins. Uh, and then there's the at least one mystery seed per level, sometimes multiple. And then getting the top of the flagpole counts as a thing. So I'm like, I'm going to go through each level and, and do that. And sometimes... Uh, even when you have it all, there's no check mark, uh, which means oh, there's a hidden exit. So mm. you get, you know, it's like some Super Mario World, where it's like some certain ex- certain levels have multiple exits, and they lead to different parts on the map. Uh, it has a very Super Mario World feel to the world map. There is a special zone like Star Road that you could find, and there's an entrance in each of the worlds. You know, it's, cool. it's kind of a little bonus. Those levels, <sighs> I'm scared. I tried <laughs> one, and it was hard i think i tried like 30 times and i got close and i was like you know what i'm gonna come back because there's badges and maybe there's a badge i don't have that can make this a little easier but yeah there how do you they, find the badges so the badges are some of them are bought from shops you can just buy them other ones are found through challenge they have at least challenge levels for badges and when you complete that you get the badge but what's nice is in the challenge levels for badges you don't lose lives so if you die, no loss, so there's no risk. And it's literally an obstacle course designed for you to use the badge and learn how to use it. So they teach you that. And I like that. There's still stuff to collect, but it gives you an opportunity. And there's multiple, like each one has two 
uh, different obstacle courses, an easier one and then a harder one later on. But there's there's some badges that I found the harder one before I found the easier one, and it still gives you the badge if you beat it. Oh, so cool. you could you could do it in either order. You can skip levels like crazy. Like it's not one of those where you have to play every level. You need a certain amount of mystery seeds, and I think like the first world you need 14 to unlock the castle and move on. Out of I think there's 36 in the world, okay. so they give you plenty of of leeway. I don't think. I don't think anyone would really be struggling to beat the game because they give you so many extra. It just depends if you want to hundred percent it. And well, it's I like where, where do you put this on like <clears throat> the pedestal of like, you know, Odyssey having come out a number of years ago, Super Mario Bros. three you mentioned. I mean Odyssey Odyssey is a different beast because it's a three D Mario and you really yeah. have to put two D Mario and three D Mario in different yeah, yeah. Um I think it's up there. Um uh, Mario World has always been my favorite. Um, I like New Super U. I know some people said like oh, it felt stale, but I really enjoyed New Super U. Yeah. Um, and to me, it's up there. I mean, Mario World, Mario Three, New Super U are probably my top three. And this, this is, I think, in that pantheon. Does this um, feel like a step forward? Oh for God, Mario? yeah, yeah. The wonder effects are fun. There's very few that have been repeated. Um, some change perspectives, some just make the world crazy. I mean, it's definitely like L- L- LSD drug uh, <laughs> type things, but it's it feels well, it controls well. The badges, while you don't necessarily need them, I like the fact that they allow any character to do like Peach's crouch jump or higher, you know, the Yoshi flutter. Um, I've been playing as Luigi, so I get the power-ups. The power-ups are good. Elephant Mario feels, or Elephant Power feels good. Uh, the drill is fun. You go into the ground or into the roof. Uh, you, you, anything you could drill into. And Bubble works. Bubble is really cool for speedrunning because Bubble will turn any enemy you hit with the bubble into a coin in a, inside the bubble, including like dry bones. You know, stuff that you couldn't normally kill mm. permanently, you can take out. And then you could bounce on the bubbles too. So I know speedrunners are loving the bubble. Um, it's, it's really cool. One of the badges allows, like forces you to always run, but allows you to run off cliffs for a little bit. So you can like like, coyote time, like coyote. And then you could jump from that as well. Oh, cool. So, so, you know, some, some like one I don't like is where you're always bouncing. I never like power-ups like that. One makes you completely invisible. Enemies can't hit you, but you can't (laughs) see yourself either. Uh, so yeah, they, they work. They, you know, like the first one you get is you like pull up your hat like a parachute. And I think I only used it while I had it. My favorite personal one is uh, one that puts exclamation mark blocks places to make it makes the game a little bit easier. But it also allows you to see hidden things kind of deal because he's like, oh, there's blocks up here. Maybe there's mm. something up there. Oh, he's a hidden one up. Uh, it does make the game a little easier, but I don't mind it because I'm just, when I'm just trying to get all the coins and stuff right now. Um, there's one that will point you in the right direction if you're having problems finding like where's the second coin in this level like there's a badge that will help you find things uh, so it's it's honestly very very good a lot of fun i highly recommend and i do think you'll have an easier time playing it now while people are actually playing it because you can use that online function you can do the same thing offline however though so like you could play two player and just have like one player stand there while you try a difficult jump and then come back and like revive yourself which is actually something i did in new super u you were able to do that as well similar system but uh i definitely it, it exceeded my expectations nice good to know so i'll, I'll have my hands on that 
sometime next week. I probably won't get to it right away, but uh, good to know that it's a great title that should be picked up. Nice. All right. Well, let's um, talk premium edition games. Let's get an update from you on, you know, what's happening in your world and, you know, what do you guys have going for series seven and so on? Important dates, new announcements. Yeah. Secret things to break on the podcast. So so did, (laughs) did, did you, did you watch the direct? I yes, did watch I did. the direct. We All both right. did. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. And yeah, that was the last two months of my life. I love the intro, by the way. The new yeah. intro you guys are using. Absolutely that, love it. That was 100% Tristan, our designer, did that. That intro was actually supposed to be used for the last direct. And I told him, I love this. He's like, no, I got another idea with the corkboard. I'm like, the corkboard is good, but I like this better. He's like, oh, but we're, we're going to use that, the book for like promo like a promo advertisement and we're going to use the cork board. I said, okay, I use the cork board. So we did. And then we never did that promo advertisement. So when we mm. were doing this direct, I said, Hey, Tristan, I said, the book, I said, you still have it. He's like, yeah, I'm like update it, add new, the new titles to the book and we're, let's use the book. So yeah, I thought it was great. I, I definitely enjoyed that. You guys should do that moving forward for yeah. sure. Like it, well, it was we, really nice. We try and do different intros as we do. You know, each one has a different intro. Mm. I like the book, and we will probably might revisit the book again, you know, down the road. Um, we'll see what whatever if we decide the next one. And Tristan is is the main designer behind those. You know, I, I won't take credit for that. Yeah, uh, he, he's awesome. Shout out. But uh, you know, we, we do appreciate the the views because uh, they are a labor of loves. You know, it's a lot to write it and get people to record and work with the developers to get you know messages in there and let them record mm-hmm. and, and get get their own voice as part of the direct and. Uh, it all comes together and it's, you know, Tristan put it together and, uh, he, he did the video editing and did a fantastic job. And, um, uh, but yeah, we, we like doing that when we come out with new titles because we want to highlight them. They're the stars, the developers of the stars, uh, the games of the stars, not us. we we just put a little pretty wrapping paper around it. Um, <laughs> uh, but we, we did come out with series seven and as of this recording, two out of the three titles are available for, for pre-order. Uh, the first is Anuchard, which we came out with. That was something we teased last time and we talked about last time. And Anuchard is a phenomenal action RPG with the graphics of Moon, the gameplay style of Zelda, the humor of the Mother series. And it's just this really interesting uh, story about the, the world of Anuchard and people are desperate and tr- going into the, this dungeon to try and solve their own worries and they're getting tra- their souls are getting trapped inside this dungeon and their their bodies are turning to stone and you know people are losing their loved ones and you can go into these dungeon each dungeon is different and uh, trying to rescue each of their souls and their spirits and and restore them to life and and calming their issues and fighting great bosses and puzzles and it just it it starts off that way and you're like oh this i see the premise and then like oh yeah you rescued everybody like oh that was quick it's like oh no but that was only the first part and then (laughs) there's new dungeons that open up and new worlds you start to explore and and around new characters and it just goes on from there i don't want to spoil it it is one of those titles that you if you like zelda if you like action rpgs you will be hooked if you like good storytelling if you like good humor 
Uh, each level also has a little bit of Mario in the sense of there's different collectibles per dungeon. And you could always go back to select, oh, this dungeon, I'm missing the third item. You can go back to it to collect and use those those items you find to power up and a skill tree to power yourself up further or power up the world further. And, and uh, it's just really good. And that's available nice. now. Nice. Uh, I did see uh, Lonesome Village actually as a new dad, Lonesome Village really caught my attention as a title that I could like sit back, do a few things like that Animal Crossing type of feeling, and then put it down and go back to it, right? Not falling asleep like I'm doing in White Knight Chronicles. So what do you, can you give us your thoughts on that one and, and what you've experienced? Yeah, so Lonesome Village was a title that I actually got a notification originally from Nintendo because they put out, you know, Nintendo on YouTube puts out trailers. And they put out this trailer, and I watched it, and I, I fell in love with it. I'm like, oh, my God. Uh, so I, I immediately sent them a message, and they responded, I think, the next day. And they were like, oh, we have no plans right now for physical. And I said, well, we're interested. We want to we play your game. And they got back to us a couple weeks later, set up a meeting. We, you know, we, we all played it. They gave us codes. And the whole team was like, yeah, this game is really good. And this one, it's a couple notable things. One, it was a Kickstarter, and it blew past, I think it did like five times its goal. Two, it's an entire Mexican development team, which you rarely see. You rarely see development studios out of Mexico. And Ogre Pixel is, and they brought a brand new flair that you don't usually see in games. Because you could tell, like, this is a Western game, this is a, you know American game, this is a Japanese game, this is a European game. You don't see Mexican and the game has those cozy elements like you said like animal crossing you can design your house you can fish you can grow plant seeds and you can do little quests but then you also have zelda elements it's a mix of animal crossing and zelda where you go into this tower and there's puzzles to solve and a mystery and the whole thing it's funny because you have this happy-go-lucky animal village and and there's beautiful cell shaded graphics, but there's this dark undertone because all the villagers have been trapped inside the tower. Why are they tra- trapped? What happened? Who put it there? Uh, what sinister plot? So you have this this juxtaposition of happy go lucky with dark and sinister, and it works so well um, that we all fell in love with it. The whole team we're like, yeah, like this is. And it also fits a, a different niche. So it, it fills the niche of those that do like those cozy games. And we, we don't have a release like that. But for those that like something a little more, that like the puzzle aspects to like that the make you think, especially Zelda fans, um, absolutely uh, fills that niche too. Uh, there's, there's not like huge combat kind of deal. It's puzzle. But it, if you were like, hey, you know, I played Animal Crossing during the pandemic and I really enjoyed it. Uh, this is not going to give you that as deep of an experience as creating your own island, but it gives you way more story. And uh, like you said, playing with your, your son, I got, you know, I, I plan to play Lonesome Village with him as he gets older too, because it gives you that ability to do so. Yeah, I think the storytelling is such an important element that, like you kind of said, Animal Crossing, like it's not you have more of a depth of building, but you don't necessarily have a deep, deep story, and there's not like this big sinister plot, like you were saying. So having you know those, and that's what I really like about games like this. You have the different elements, like the positive elements that are pulled from certain titles, kind of merged into this overall vision, and their vision is like let's tell a really deep and enriching story, 
and and go about it in that manner. So I love when that happens with indie titles for sure. Yeah. Um, and then the other one uh, I know is Sunshine Manor Anthology. I know a lot of people have been excited about that. Uh, it's been coming soon for a bit, and it's it sounds like it's finally finally here, right? Yeah. So Sunshine Anthology was our very first Kickstarter. The Kickstarter was for Sunshine Manor, and Sunshine Manor was a sequel to the game Camp Sunshine. So when we signed on for the Kickstarter, we said for the physical, because we always try and do complete on cart, we wanted both games. Nice. Uh, so the Sunshine Anthology is the collection of Camp Sunshine and Sunshine Manor on the Switch. And uh, we we couldn't do it yet. We, we, the Kickstarter version was, was pre-ordered during the Kickstarter, but we didn't put it on our website yet because it wasn't done. And then when it, the game was finished and released and got great reviews, but it was only released on Steam, so it had to be ported. So the whole time, the last few updates, even in the direct, were just porting updates. You know, we, we were waiting for the game to be ported before we put up and, and started collecting money. And finally, we were talking to Paul from Fossil Games, a really good guy, a really good friend. The saying like, hey, guess what? You know, like we're, you know, Sunshine Manor is done. It's in testing and, and Camp Sunshine's about done because it's an older game. So it's a little harder. I said, so we're good to put it up now. He's like, yeah. And I said, well, this is the perfect time. It's Halloween. Like, yeah, this is, this is it. I said, but I have one, one condition, Paul. And he's like, what's that? I said, you have to make the announcement. I said, you've been a champ. You've been in every direct since the third direct uh, that we've done. Uh, you've given an update. I said, you, you, you need to be the one to do it. So he made a really cool video for us. Uh, faking people out, which actually did get messages afterwards <laughs> from people like you actually had me. Like I was so excited. They've been waiting for that game and they thought it was just another porting update. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's, that was the goal. That's what we wanted to do. Uh, so that is coming. That is coming October 30th uh, for pre-order. And there's that's actually one where we're getting a third version. instead, not just the standard and the retro, but we do have a deluxe version for that one. Um, the deluxe has the double-sided strategy guide. One side is for Camp Sunshine, the other for Sunshine Manor. Uh, it's got a steel book that's exclusive to it with the beautiful Graham Humphreys artwork, the Neo Geo case, the slipcover, as come to expect from our other deluxes. And uh, all our retros and deluxe for Series 7 are extremely limited. We, we, we actually printed less retros, and we usually do. Um, so it's one of those where if you want it, it's a finite number and it's the same number that, that our distributors take out of too. So if you see that any on like, uh, like VGP, for example, you know, that's from that same pool. It's not mm -hmm. like that's actually, we made these extremely limited because we, we really want them to go to collectors. We really want people to enjoy them. Um, and then the, the ability to finally bring that out, it's, it's, it's going to leave a void in the future directs because I don't have to write a spot for it because I've had a write for Sunshine for so long. Um, and fun fact, um, the the original, this is like a behind the scenes thing because it's never going to happen, but the original plan for Sunshine when it was going to be announced, it was, it was it, we were planning for it for the fall, but we were planning a summer series as well. But our summer series got pushed because, you know, our CEO moved to Hawaii you know, I just had a kid. Uh, our, our other partner just had a kid. And so we had too many things going on in the summer. We're like, all right, let's let's take a little bit of a break. But the original plan was to have a summer direct. And the hype button thing for the direct for that one was going to be the hype button was going to be there. And 
everything suddenly went black and the bear appeared from sunshine mm. and the bear <laughs> hit the button and that was it no trailer that was just gonna be it as a tease for for sunshine coming in the fall uh, and I could talk about that now because that's, that never came to that never hit paper. I never even wrote wrote it. It was just a, in my mind that was what it was going to be. Uh, so it was originally going to be the tease game. There's our breaking my... news on the Game of Players podcast <laughs> there right there. Fresh, nobody knew yeah. about that. Yeah, a little, a little behind the scenes uh, to the working uh, workings of it all. But yeah, and it and it looks like now you can buy all of these things in one big mega pack, right? Yeah. So you've got the get everything mega pack, which is literally everything. And then everything. you've got your mega packs and so on, which was refreshing to see, but like, there's not a, you know, okay, let's add a bunch of things to cart. Now you have a decision. Should I get this? Should I not? You're like, mm-hmm. you know, right off the bat, this is what I'm spending. I'm going to get the mega pack and get everything yep. right off the bat. And we did that. We, we did enter chart as a shadow drop the same day as the direct. And we did the mega packs, the same thing. So that if you're one of those people where you're constantly forgetting and oh, I get this and I have to go back right away, like you could buy sunshine right now, even though it's not up in the mega pack, you know, and those, the, those retros that are, again, they're start part of that allotted. So there is a standards mega pack, I believe, and a retros mega pack, mm-hmm. and then the everything uh, for the for the collector. And we've seen a lot of people really enjoy the mega packs because Good. because it's it's like one click. You know, other companies do it. You know, so here's buy the three pack or you know buy these mega packs. And and a lot of times the mega packs throw in with some companies they've thrown in stuff you don't really care about. Like I want this stuff, but I don't want this. And that's why we did multiple mega packs to really say all right here if you if you're just a standard collector that's fine boom if you love the retros and you want to make sure you get them and grab it then you don't have to worry like you know there's so much other stuff going on we don't want you to be sweating and and we get messages all the time i miss this game do you still have this game just this morning when someone in our discord was like oh you know, i'm looking for raji and and i i just missed it on ebay and oh, i don't know what to do and i'm like well don't buy our games on ebay come to us first you buy yeah. on ebay you're not helping anybody but the seller you come to us you're actually helping the developer because the developer makes money when we sell the games so you're you're actually giving money to the developer and said and raji is actually going on a second chance sale tomorrow yeah and, and i usually have i've got it bookmarked actually to premium edition page so if there's anything that you know i want to purchase or like you said the second chance sales comes up i have the ability to just kind of quickly check that out so definitely something to do and of course the discord that you noted as well it's, it's great to have really a community developed around this too um so i know you guys did a couple other things so you had nintendo games actually mm-hmm. so you had oratorio jim and dill uh, were noted on that as well. So um, a little bit about those. Uh, I'm definitely yeah. the Jim and Dill one that that caught my attention mainly because like the way I don't know if you can hear my baby in the background crying <laughs> on the podcast, but it might be bleeding through. Uh, it has that Zelda one and two vibe in the sense mm-hmm. of like, you know, how it's broken out. Like, oh, we decided to go this direction and then we broke out to a Zelda two style or just beat him up after the fact. And I, I was as I was watching it, I'm like, is that a curse? Like, do you want to do that? Or like, what's your experience been with those games? They're both fantastic. And I think that he's the only developer I know of that actually models after the Zelda one and two or the Castlevania one and two, where it's the sequel is different than the first game. Uh, but Clay is a great guy. He did a great job with these titles, and they're they're available. You can get them digitally. But he actually went back to the games, and he retooled them. He fixed them. He made them better. 
And those that better version is only available via the physical. That's not a digital thing. You can't get that on an emulator. Only the physical cart is going to have the enhanced version. And he actually had to recut both of those trailers um, because the footage was the old trailers wouldn't work, wouldn't have done it justice. He did so much, so many improvements. So those are for the physical versions exclusively. Uh, the first game is like Star Tropics and Zelda, and it's it's a ton of fun and very very. They're both very funny games. And the second one's like Double Dragon, beat 'em up. And you can play the second one without the first, so you can play them out of order. Uh, I love the story behind the band and like like Clay, you know, Clay recounted the whole story during the direct and stuff like that. I love that he shared that with with us and with you guys because I think that adds to the level of um, passion behind these games. And we haven't revealed what we're exactly doing with them yet. You know, it's, it's coming in the winter, but we wanted to get them out there because we didn't want them just to just be out there. No one knows about them. We wanted to give them the attention they deserve. And we will be doing something special with, you know, one or you could buy just one or the other, or you can do a two pack. And we're, we're discussing doing, there'll be separate cartridges, but and these play on the NES. These are real NES games, um, which is cool. And then talk about NES Oratorio, Ryan. I don't know if that was one that caught your attention as well. Yeah, Oratorio looked really cool. Yeah, to me, that was like, man, that's like right up my alley. Again, like a game you could kind of pick up, quickly play. The musical aspects of it is even cooler because like that's not something that I'm super familiar with. I'm being on the NES. I don't recall anything nope, of that nature being on there, right? So yeah, so it's great to have like a rhythm-based game on the NES. Like who would have thought like that's the console that would have been of choice to be able to release this game? It's it's the only one of its kind. We've actually had other developers uh, talk to us afterwards and go like, I saw that game. I don't even know how we got that running on the NES. Like, that's a tough thing for that system to do. Like, on the PlayStation, it's super easy. But on the yeah. NES, to, to do that and to do it well, and it plays extremely well. Like, honestly, the trailer doesn't even do it justice compared to how it is playing. Because it's like, you can watch a trailer for Res, and then you can play Res, and you like understand mm-hmm. how good it is. And this this actually requires a specific chipset in the cartridge. So it's a special cartridge. Just again, we'll play on the NES, but we had to use a specific chipset to make sure it works properly. And we're like, all right, yeah, well, we use that specific chipset. We want this to work. We want to do this game. Uh, so again, this is something where you know we will play on the NES. These are going to be limited because you know we're, we're not doing thousand print runs. Or, you know, we're doing more like a hundred or so. Uh, and those, that's available now. That was part of our Nestember. But we wanted to bring it to attention because a lot of people, they, they only pay attention to the directs. They don't see all the smaller announcements. And we mm-hmm. wanted to give it again the, the attention it deserved. Yeah, that to me was like my um, unsung hero, I think, in a way, right? Like I really enjoyed seeing like that was just to me, it was super cool to see something like that, right? Like there's tons of games that come on an annual basis, but something of that nature is just so different. Yep. really stood out to me on that. So I really thought that was cool. Yeah. Um, and then the other things that got noted here, we had an update on Crystalla, which I've had my eye on for a long time. We had updates on Poglings. Uh, we also had uh, the hype button for Carl, which of course, immediately dear to my heart with it being a platform style game. And then Gordian Quest, which was uh, initially teased on a direct and then, of course, announced via X or Twitter as well a few days later. So um, anything in particular on those that like really stands out to you as you've kind of been close to these titles and um, throughout the process, obviously? Sure. So uh, Crystalla is a title near and dear to my heart as well. I've known the team since they started back in 2019. 
they're fantastic developers they're you know all female led and they this is the first game they went super ambitious with it they've yeah been, they've been working <laughs> their butts off uh even in that video uh with the three heads ali the, the the ceo was like a week and a half away from giving birth oh and man. she was still here i am doing this video i want to be a part of it i want to you know still working uh behind the scenes even that much into to pregnancy because she is the, the whole team they're so passionate just so passionate about their game and it bleeds into us because we're passionate about what we do so it was a, a match made in heaven and the Kickstarter was a resounding success. It did over 11 times its number. It, it it hit every stretch goal. And we were really happy to be a part of it. So we did the physical PlayStation 5 version for that. Uh, Kickstarter exclusive. But uh, since the Kickstarter has ended, there's a backer kit where you can still support the team. And the as part of the backer kit, you can still get that, that a Kickstarter exclusive uh, cover version of the PS5 game. So uh, I do recommend if you're a collector, if you want to support this team, go over there. Uh, we will have the game on our site down the road once it's done. Uh, that's obviously still in development. So uh, this is a way you can support them and secure yourself a copy. Uh, so highly recommend. That's uh, such a good game. And there's a demo on Steam. So if you're like, oh, I don't know if I'll like this. It's an action RPG, Souls-like game. There's a demo on Steam. You could definitely check it out. Uh, it's a ton of fun. Uh, Frank played it on our stream. Uh, everyone loved it. And like, it's all of cats. All cats, all cats. All cats. Yeah. And and you'll be able to make your own cat in, as a playable character. Perfect. Nice. People got to make their own cat. Got to make, make your own, your own cat. And you get dog steeds in the main game. Uh, <laughs> and you can pet the dogs and you different familiars. And there's nice. a lot of extra stuff. These are all like Kickstarter stretch goals that all smashed. So it's wonderful to see that. Uh, like you said, Carl... Uh, Carl is a game that we got asked about for a while and the truth is, is we had Carl from pretty much the beginning uh, because it's Matt Bittner uh, makes it who did a robot name fight with mm-hmm. us and we had a meeting with him and Andrew Kennedy and Nintendo and Matt was just showing him the deluxe robot name fight and said, here's what, what they did. And Andrew just looked at it and said, yeah, let's do this. <laughs> so it was, it was, that's what we love. We love to have the developers come back to us. Like they were so happy the first time around, they wanted to come back and work with us again. Yeah. And Carl was honestly my indie game of the year last year. It's an action platformer, very akin to Mega Man with, with some Mario aspects, a uh, ton of fun. Uh, a lot of levels, a lot of worlds, and and a lot of gameplay. And it was going to come out sooner, but they told us they had more content coming. And we said, all right, well, do you mind us delaying the release because we want to have it complete on cart? And since, you know, Andrew is a collector, he was like, yeah, totally makes sense. Plus, it's his. He wants he wants to preserve his own game. <clears throat> so that content hasn't come out yet. It's still being worked on right now as we speak. I don't know when it's slated to come out, but we will be doing the physical once that's there so that you will get the whole game on the cart. Um, it's all preserved. Nice. We're, we're really excited because Carl, Carl's just so good. And then Gordian quest, which was our tease <clears throat> Gordian and a little behind the scenes thing. Gordian quest was supposed to be our hype button thing. Uh, Carl was not, Carl was not, we weren't sure we were going to be talking about Carl yet because we wanted to give them time. But uh, Gordian quest is, you know, Mixed Realms and now Modus. And uh, our friends over at Modus Games uh, reached out to us and said, here's our plans. We're going to be announcing the game 
digitally for the Switch on the 5th. And I said, well, we're going to be announcing the physical on the 2nd. And they said, uh, could you delay? And we said, well, we can't delay the direct. And they said, well, we really would appreciate if you would hold off on the announcement to the 5th so we can, we have a marketing and everything like that. Uh, and we value our relationships. So what we said is, okay, we will, we will not move our direct, but what we will do is we will move our announcement. But we needed a new hype button. We didn't want to leave everybody with just a note. Got to so have we, the hype. You built it up so we, now. So we built up the hype. So we built. We, we said, all right, let's move Carl and check with with Andrew and, and Matt if we could do Carl. And they were gave us the go-ahead. And uh, we still put the note in there for the fifth uh, for Gordian Quest. And we launched that onto our YouTube and through Twitter and everything. And uh, Gordian Quest is an action RPG, card like a deck-based RPG. And is as a 30-hour campaign. It's got a rogue mode. Uh, so as an MTG player, this is like perfect for you. Uh, what's cool is that there's different classes you can play as. Each class has their own deck. So you could do, I think it's like three cards per turn per player. So like if you're the warrior, you can do like a one, two, three combo if you have the right cards. Where the cards actually help each other where this card does like 50 damage but it does 100 damage if another card was played that turn uh and the same with like spell casters you know like fireball does 20 damage but you know fireball 2 does 50 damage if fireball 1 was already played that turn so you can use a use a turn to move and then do different combos depending because it's like Mega Man battle network with the the grid based and uh, so you can move move different lines and do spells per line and you can really use the strategy. You can do a card, move, and then do another card, however you want to do it. So there's healers with heal cards, and uh, you can build your RPG party. It's it's a lot of fun. There's quests, there's dungeons, there's bosses. Uh, just this really great, great title. We, we fell in love with it on Steam. I think we played like five hours, and we had to pull ourselves away. We're like, nope. We put in so much time. We'll wait for the, <laughs> we'll wait for the Switch version. Like we, We're sold. We're sold on this game already. Uh, so that game is available digitally for pre-order right now as of this recording i think it comes out the 26th of october digitally and then next year we will be doing the physical we want to let the game come out we want to see if any bugs from the porting process because a lot of times there's little bugs or little patches we want to let that all that to get kinked out and make sure that the cartridge is the the com- as complete as we can make it yeah perfect nice um all right. Well, uh, anything else before we dive into uh, our physical media topic? Uh, yeah. Today? Uh, all it is is just if you haven't watched the direct, we do appreciate you watching. Leave a comment. Leave a, leave a like. Uh, share it with your friends. Like I said, it's a labor of love, and this this is really for the developers and the publishers. This, these are their babies. We're just we just want to get the word out there and, and get their message out there. And uh, we, we, you know, we just appreciate all the support, everyone listening that has supported us, that has purchased a, a, even one game or seen us at a show. Uh, we do appreciate that. And we hope you look forward to what we have coming because we have a ton of games still in stock on our website right now. So don't go to eBay, go to our website, buy from us. Uh, we just did a second chance sale for They Bleed Pixels, uh, part of our Series 5. As of this recording, tomorrow Raji goes up. Uh, we have Eagle Island Twist and Love 3 shipping out here to people. They just came in, and we'll have second chance sales for those as well. And the Raji Collector's Edition book uh, might have just arrived, too. i got to double check. So we'll be shipping those out, too. So there's a lot of stuff going on. Uh, also, stay tuned for Rack and Ruin on PS4 
which was delayed because of a bug. We made, you know, LifeSpark Entertainment was nice enough to go back and fix that for us. So we will have the complete version of that on disc later this fall as well. Uh, I'll be going out for pre-order, plus a bunch of other stuff, uh, maybe Black Friday. Just just check out premiumeditiongames.com for sure. Nice. And all of that was amazing, as always. Right? Yeah, tiny, <laughs> amazing. Uh, good stuff, dude. So really exciting things going on and, and looking forward to a lot of these releases. Uh, so before podcast, we, we let you know, we're like, hey, let's talk uh, Best Buy and Walmart are phasing out physical games. So I figure we could have a quick, it doesn't have to be a long discussion, maybe just your thoughts on that. Uh, you know, Ryan's thoughts, my thoughts on, you know, really this move and and what this means in general. And, and honestly, I think it's in a sense positive for you guys, right? As these bigger retailers begin to pull out of some of this physical media that allows you guys to, in a way, fill a, a void sometimes where a lot of these games are, are not getting the physical treatment or are not getting put on shelves. I, I personally think it, it helps companies like yours to be able to to continue to preserve in that manner. But long term, it sucks, right? Like uh, you're a collector, I'm a collector. We like physical media and the preservation aspect of that. And seeing these retailers, you know, at least from a DVD and CD perspective, Walmart with Xbox games, as you had noted earlier, phasing out those physical media is like the future looks kind of bleak for you know, disc-based and cartridge-based games moving forward, unfortunately. Yeah, uh, I, I disagree with you on helping us, though. I think it, it, it hurts us more than anything because it, first off, it totally shifts um, the the general populist perspective. True. And what I mean by that is the general populist has no idea who we are. And the general populist nowadays are just fine downloading a game and being fine with that. They don't. They don't need physical. They don't. They don't see a lot of kids today are being brought up in a digital world where they don't see the positives of having a physical about actually owning your game. You know, growing up, you know, we used to be able to have games, and then the idea to trade games or, or trade with friends or trade in for another game. That entire thing's lost. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you you go. You know, I, my friends used to come over. I used to go over to friends' house, and we would bring a game with us. And we would all play there. If one of us, only one of us owned, you know, Smash Brothers or Mario Kart or or even a game that no one had heard of or only like Beetle Avenger Racing, only one person had it. So they would bring it over and we'd play it. That's gone because with the digital, age, oh, hold on, let me try to sign in. And I got to make an account in your thing. And I got to, it's, like it's, it's so much easier to just go cartridge done. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think that's a, a lost Thing now so many kids today have no social skills they just know internet they don't know how to you put them in front of another human being and they freeze and they have no idea what to do <laughs> and well and you know some of that i wonder too it's like you know you look at the parents right and the parents that are like you and i when, when we're raising our our sons when they're older we're going to probably be more so instilling that like physical media that content like here's a cartridges here's a disc like really kind of building that mindset right but if you think about the folks that we might have gone to school with that were our age that maybe weren't gamers and didn't necessarily care well they're having kids now too and you know oh well minecraft is digital oh you want to play that because your friends are playing digital it just kind of creates this like vicious cycle of like well i wasn't a gamer growing up i didn't collect physical cartridges or discs so i don't really care right i just want my kid to play their game right so i think that too is kind of one of the bigger issues is that from a you know, growing into adulthood, it, it's kind of stemmed from our generation moving up now. Uh, yeah, and I think a lot of it is post-internet, um, because beforehand, 
you know, we grew up, we grew up without the internet, but post internet, it seems like society has moved towards instant gratification. Absolutely have to have that instant gratification. There's no earnings. There's no waiting. It's just, boom, I want it and I want it now. And even, even if you get stuck in a game right now, what is the first thing you usually do? You pull up Google and you Google it and you usually find an answer on board and you get the instant gratification. You don't spend an hour or two trying to figure out the solution. <laughs> you get it instantly and you move on because time is valuable. And we do it. We all do it for that reason. Well, people generally like digital for that reason because it's instant. Oh, I want to watch a movie. I could hit Netflix and here's all the movies and I just push a button. I don't have to get up. I don't have to put a disc in. They look at that as a chore. And I'm like, that, that what do you, what do you do for food? Yeah. What, that's part of the fun. But what do you do when you get hungry? Do you just open your mouth and hope food flies in? <laughs> like you need to get up. You need to go to the refrigerator. You need to get food. You need to make food. And even that with, with Grubhub and so many delivery um, even that's becoming more instant gratification. It seems like, like if you ever seen the movie uh, Wally, you know that future is more and more what we're going towards. And you know, seeing kids it's like, oh, it's instant. I can just instantly get the song I want. I can instantly get the game I want. I can instantly watch the show I want. And with all the content that's out there now, and all the streaming services, and all the, it's just insane. It's it's just yeah. insane how there much is there. A- there's so much content out there to your point, like being able to filter through types of digital content quickly versus going through a pile of games or pile of movies to decide what you want. And I kind of, I can understand like where that mindset is coming from, but I do think it's funny. You had mentioned like the instant gratification. Well, if I'm downloading a game, I got to sit for it to download. I got to sit for the updates. I got to do all of this other stuff. Whereas a cartridge, I'm just like, pop instant gratification. I'm playing super Nintendo. Yes. On older stuff. But even now, yeah. like if you got a PS five game and you put it in, you got to sit there and wait for an install. Yeah. yeah, even even on physical, a lot of the games now do a pre-download where you could download it beforehand and it doesn't go live. So mm-hmm. people who wanted to play Mario Wonder on Friday, for example, if they got the digital version, a lot of them were just sitting at their Switch waiting twelve o'clock. Boom, I could hit the button instant. Mm-hmm. Versus if you got the physical, maybe you went to a GameStop for a midnight launch, you still had to get it and then you still had to drive home, then pop it in. There's no download; it's complete on cart. Or if you got it like on Amazon or Best Buy or Walmart or whatever. For delivery, it came Friday at 10 a.m. or 11 or 12 or whenever your delivery driver came. You didn't get that instant. Um, And I don't think that's like, I don't mind the wait on certain things. Like, I think that actually builds the hype more because you're anticipating it. And I feel like if you get everything instantly, you don't value it. You don't appreciate it because it's just there. It's just there because... Oh, I could just do another game, whatever. There's no attachment to it versus, oh, I had to wait. I had to wait through school. I had to wait through work for my copy to come. Oh, I got notification of delivery driver. (laughs) I can't wait. You know, when someone says, oh, I've been playing it since midnight. Great for you, you know, you know, but I haven't. And now that buildup, that extra buildup is, uh, yeah, it's just awesome. Yeah, Yeah. no, I totally agree with you, man. Ryan, you were going to say something? Yeah, one of my biggest things, and I mean, this is something we've seen for a while, and it's not necessarily just coming from like this change at like Walmart or Best Buy, but I mean, when they decided to stop releasing physical releases of games in special editions and deluxe editions and just give you a code, it's like you're getting the physical of everything except for the one thing that you really are there for. So it's like, the whole production on you know the loss of 
game manuals and then the loss of, you know, the games themselves. Like you could still buy the box and it's just got a code in it. And then it's just like altogether gone and it'll just be an all digital future. Like all of those little bits and pieces add up to create like in our minds what is opening a game and playing a game and going to the store and buying a game like it's all a part of that you know save up your allowance ritual to get this great thing that you've been wanting for a long time and it is a fact that a lot of that has been kind of taken out now don't forget when that nice fancy collector's edition you get a beautiful steel book for no game whatsoever <laughs> yeah that too that's always a funny thing in there you know it almost feels like they need to kind of like parse these things out where you can kind of pick and choose the items that you want and a lot of it too and and almost make it like to order right because given also the bots and everything else that's tied in like it also is ruining physical media to an extent like those collector's yeah. editions are a big part of like if i want to buy a game and i'm really invested now i have to compete with bots and the secondary market and all this other crap that's tied to it so i wish there was also other considerations that are being made here and it's i wonder if that's part of like that death of physical media for some of these big box stores right like the lack of people going in because they have these pre-orders and things that are happening and now you know, yeah, the bots buy them physically, but nobody's going in store to do this now because why am I going to go in store? It's not available to me in store to purchase. So does in-store sales are not what they used to be for things like that. So well, I wonder if, uh, yeah, go on. I was going to say, yeah, definitely. I'm um, obviously being able to buy online and Amazon has hurt big box stores or, or any retail locations. But one thing I don't think a lot of people realize is even if you're a digital gamer, I don't buy physical. I just want digital. The importance of having that choice is more than just the choice. If these big box stores stop carrying physical and the g games go all digital, you know, if people say, well, digital should be cheaper. It's not going to be. No. The reason it is, <laughs> is because they have a deal to have digital and physical be the same price. And this is the price that the physical is. But if there's no physical, if there's no Walmart saying like this has to be $70 or Best Buy saying this is 60 bucks or whatever the price that it's got to be, those digital games, some might come down. Some might say, all right, well, now I'll, I'll lower it by 10. But why would they? If they're selling at 40, they're not going to say, well, we're just going to release it at 30. Games only yeah. go on sale when they're not selling. Instead, they can say, well, there's nothing keeping me at 40 bucks because there's no physical. So I can make it 50 bucks and see how it sells. And then I could always throw it down to 40 bucks. It's well, digital. It doesn't take up room. Yeah. And on top of that, it's like, well, where else are you going to get it? Yeah, right. you you got no choice. Yeah. You you have a monopoly now. It's if you want it on the Switch, it's on the eShop. If it's seventy bucks on the eShop and you're complaining about it, you could wait for a sale, but that's your only option. Oh, mm -hmm. and forget about buying it used. Forget about getting it secondhand. You know, I'll see how people go like, oh, I want the the digital PS5, and I'm like, why would you get the digital PS5 over the PS the disc one? And like, well, I save a hundred bucks or only fifty bucks with the slim, but yeah. I, I save I save a hundred bucks. I say okay. So you save a hundred bucks. So so with the physical, you're a hundred bucks in the hole if if you look at it that way. But you can now go to GameStop, yard sales, you know, secondhand sale or secondhand stores or whatever, and buy PS4 and PS5 pre-owned games at stupid deals, stupid stupid deals that you can't do with the digital. You're locked into whatever the digital price is. So you make all that if, money up quick. You make you make it up so quickly. If someone you go to a garage sale and someone says, "Oh, I got you know these PS4 games or PS5 games for a buck or, or five bucks or whatever," and there's games you want digitally, they may be twenty, thirty bucks. And here, that five bucks. 
Okay, well, yeah. you, you, you save so much money, plus DVDs and Blu-rays. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, then people will bring up the argument, well, you know, I can go on Play, you know, PlayStation Plus, right? And I can have all my games there. But now you have a, a yearly subscription base that you're paying, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, at the same time, and how many of those games are you actually going to play on an annual basis? So, I could buy, you know, however many physical games in a year. Yeah, it might cost me 100 bucks. Yeah, I don't necessarily have access to all of these other titles. But I have a limit as to what I can and can't spend. If I if I go through the entire year and only play one PlayStation game because I'm busy, you know, digitally, well, now I've spent what 120 bucks or whatever for like this massive setup on PlayStation or you know whatever it is for Xbox Live, you know, on a monthly basis. I'm paying this to play one or two games throughout the course of the year, or I could have picked up five or six games that I may play this year, may play two years down the road. But now I have them available to me. And or if you sure. never want to play them, you could just get rid of them. You could yeah. actually make money off of them. Yeah, you could just sell them. Yeah, or not only that, somebody else. But like PS Plus, if you cancel, you say oh, I'm not really using it, you lose those games. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Yep. So you don't really own them at all. You don't even have no. any ties to them. As long as, it's like Netflix. It's like canceling your Netflix subscription. You lose all access to all the Netflix shows. Yep. And it's like, that's great. Like Xbox used to at least keep, let you keep the games for gold, but that's no longer the thing. You lose games for gold now too. Yep. It's like people have no interest in owning things anymore. It's like, I don't know anybody that goes like, my dream is to rent a house or rent an yeah. apartment. Do you want to own your house? No, I'd rather just rent it. Why wouldn't you want to own it? I just I want to rent all my cars. I never want to own it. I don't know anyone saying that. Why would you do that with any other media or anything? Yeah, it's it, always better well, to own. <laughs> and there's always I, I think the leasing of a car sometimes could be up in the air in terms of cost. But like a house rental is, you know, yeah, you don't have the cost when you're renting a house. But long term, you were still you know, paying somebody else's mortgage, right? And you're not you're not locked into a certain price point, right? Uh, with a mortgage, whereas a rent could go up twenty percent in the next few years. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting that people you don't just, have security either. No, they could yeah, say we want you out of here because my my old uncle needs a place and I want to let him rent yeah. here. So yeah. you have three months to vacate. <laughs> yeah. Plus, on top of that, it's like. What are the prices now, right? You might have been locked in at twelve hundred, but and that land that landlord's like, yeah, you know, I'll keep it at twelve hundred for however long. But now you go into the general market, and it's, hey, you don't have a choice now, right? Because you're renting, you don't have the ability to do that, and now it's sixteen hundred for rent everywhere else. So, you know, or yeah, so it's there's a lot of tie-ins, obviously, into ownership across the board, right? And as a society, how we've kind of gone away from that, and 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 you know what. When bringing this up, the people who are diehard digital will always point up. So I got to point up here to play devil's advocate. You don't actually own your games now. You you still own the license. license. But in the same in the same way, they could remove a digital game from the storefront very easily. They're not going to come knocking on your door <laughs> and taking your physical card or your disc yeah. and saying, you can't play this anymore. They're not going to do it. And if a game doesn't have like a constant online they can't do any type of thing to shut down a physical game. It will still play. No one, if, if any company suddenly acts that petty, they will be doomed. They know yeah. it's a, it's stupid at that point. They might as well just let yeah. people play. So while technically you don't own it, you just own the license. No one's touching that actual physical media that uh, that that houses that game. So you're still fine. But I have to point it out there because I'm sure someone listening going who's a digital guy. Well, you only don't really own it. You own the license. So there, I'm letting your voice be heard and I'm telling you to shut up. <laughs> Man, Jeez. Well, one thing I saw the other day that still just drives me nuts is like, I hate how you can rent like a digital movie on Amazon. And it's like, cool, you get it for one viewing 
and you have 48 hours to access it. Like, what the heck, man? Give me like a week, just period. Like, what do you lose if I watch it more than once? Yeah, one viewing too. It's, it's so like renting ridiculous. a blockbuster when when that was a thing. You had it for a weekend. You had three days. You could watch it as many times as yeah. you want. <laughs> yeah. It's insane. Like they oh they try to hold so much ownership over this digital stuff, which is really meaningless. Like once you have the money, like it, it should be, you know, way more ubiquitous your access, but it just isn't. And it's not gonna get any better. And nope. I think that like really video games are probably the last bastion that people are really going to put up a fight for. Like, I know a lot of people out there buy DVDs and Blu-rays and stuff, but like, I mean, the amount of people who stream those versus the amount of people who buy them these days has to have gone hugely just towards the streaming side. Like I can't imagine oh, yeah. companies are really making that second, you know, box office run numbers once the DVD comes out. No, probably not. And like I personally like the only time I ever like buy DVDs and Blu-rays is it's for content that I know is not going to be streamed out. It's like older mm -hmm. anime series that are just like hard to find, right? Like old ADV animes, for example, you're just not really finding those everywhere. So it's nice to have the physical uh piece there. I, I still go for the new stuff too of the series i like the mcu and the dc movies and stuff like that and star wars because i love those series but who knows what they're going to do with with those i mean disney already said that they're going to stop doing blu-rays in australia that's already a thing so they're testing it at the same time they Australians targeted <laughs> it's targeted well at the same time they just released loki the first season on Blu-ray and they're doing one division because right now, if Disney plus were to go out and you wanted to show, like I'm going to show my son, the MCU and you, I'm sure you want to show your son, the MCU one day. You can't, you, you could watch physically. You could watch all the movies, but you can't watch the shows like there's content on the, the Disney plus shows that are Canon. You're missing out. You can't, mm -hmm. you can't actually watch it all. And that's, mm -hmm. that's sad. Like this is going to be lost. So I'm glad they're finally starting to do that. But a lot of shows are streaming only, and then when this they're they're pulled, you know they say, oh, like this this is done. We're, we're we don't want this anymore for cost cutting reasons. We're pulled it, and it was only streaming. There's no physical. You can't watch that show again. It shows lost to the aether, hoping that someone pirated it. I mean, some of the shows I'm getting from that collection, I had to go to like Etsy and find fan made DVDs mm -hmm. because they were never released ever. And I want to preserve it. And it's the, yeah. my only option. I mean, I, I hate doing it. I would always prefer an official release. But it's better than nothing. And yeah. it's sad that we have to turn that way to for, for some content so it's not lost. Like, yeah. I would rather give the company the money than someone on Etsy or someone on, on eBay who made it the money. Because I'd rather go to the studio, rather go to the actors and the actresses and the writers and let them continue say, oh, and show the studio. I like this. Please make more of it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I uh, totally agree with all those points, man. Um, and I guess really the long story short here is for people to support physical when you can, because it's at the end of the day, you we need that choice mm -hmm. and we can't let that dissipate. Um, so, uh, Barry, definitely appreciate you coming on today. And talking about everything pre edition, as always, it's a, a blast to have you on, dude. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. Love being yeah. here. Of course. And, and uh, you can find us pre-edition games at premiumeditiongames.com uh, for pre-order. Um, and uh, definitely get those mega packs if you want everything there. And uh, Sunshine Manor is finally here. It's finally, finally here, Barry. Yeah. Finally here. Such a good game. Both yeah. of them are. So, Ryan, um, 
you know, we're going to jump into our inflation deflation segment here in just a moment. And uh, we'll be talking a little bit about House of the Dead 2 and 3. Uh, but Barry, thanks again. And uh, we'll hope to have you on again pretty soon. Anytime. Thanks so much for having me. All right, man. Well, as always, it was good to have Barry on, but let's get into our inflation deflation challenge of the week. This week, we're talking House of the Dead 2 and 3 Return. Uh, this was developed by Sega, HIC. Uh, it was published by Sega and it was released in March of 2008. It is a rail shooter with a reception of 6 to 7 out of 10. Do you want to cover a synopsis here for us? Yeah, so thanks to the Wii and its motion controls, House of the Dead 2 and 3 are bundled together so that you can enjoy this gory zombie action right from your living room. Uh, House of the Dead 2 follows AMS Agent G's continued investigations into the Curie and Manson incident from House of the Dead 1, uh, and that trail leads him to Venice, where you will help shoot down zombies and see how you can help save the day. And then in House of the Dead 3, we pick up 21 years later as mankind has collapsed, and you travel to try to find all the last secrets and see if you can be the last person to save humanity. I mean, these are pretty straightforward arcade games i think most people uh, have played at least one of these games i don't know anymore but back in the day i mean this and what was it area 51 or something those were like the two games i always ran to first at the arcade yeah for me it was a uh, house of the dead and it was a uh, time crisis usually time crisis. for me is that yeah. the one with the pedal yes okay is. yeah that one was cool too yeah um and that's actually one that i have on uh the playstation 2 Ooh. So if we can never get things kind of hooked up, I've got, you know, two controllers for that, the two, two of the gun cons and several games and so on. So, I mean, there's, you know, there's some opportunity there in the future for us to play those. But, you know, just my experience of these, you know, they're very straightforward, right? It's yeah. really a one button game in a sense. And with the motion control, the ability to kind of move, you know, things around like you would in an arcade is is pretty fantastic so you know i think to get like the real experience with this like we played with a, mo a joy not joy con we played with a wiimote right and it's similar to the arcade setting in that you know you're pointing at the screen you're shooting certain enemies but it doesn't have like that handgun feel or yeah. that you know like you know and this is where it, you kind of wish you had one of those like random peripherals that came out of the, the dollar zapper yeah like just one of those like i think it would have benefited us to play with something of that nature to do you have links crossbow feel. training uh i don't know probably that came with one did it no I, I mean i don't have one of those not oh. one of the uh yeah i don't have a zapper but i have actually do i have one i gotta check i've picked things up in the past and i mean i might have one actually i know i have a keytar sitting around somewhere <laughs> uh so i don't even know how i got that one um but yeah i mean i feel like this is a game that would have benefited by playing with a zapper personally. yeah i mean the last time i played this game was over at my friend's house on i'm pretty sure his original xbox and i think he had a couple of gun cons for that but i mean yeah that's what you want out of you know any light gun rail shooter is you know that experience of like tactily holding the thing and playing the game but i mean the wii does a pretty serviceable job here i mean I didn't really ever think I had many rail shooter games for the Wii, but I mean, it was perfect for it to just be able to like sit down on the couch, you know, point and shoot at some zombies, just flick your Wiimote quickly off screen to reload. I mean, 
the intro actually showed like the, setting up the gun con or uh, the Wii Zapper. And you ran upstairs because you thought we would need the nunchuck. And I mean, it's a rail shooter. There's no aiming or turning or doing anything outside of just pointing at the screen. So it wasn't really necessary. Well, see, the reason I I went upstairs for the nunchuck is when it showed us like getting the thing together, it showed a nunchuck. I'm like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I was like, what the heck? Like, that doesn't seem right. And I come downstairs and you're already playing. I'm like, well, I guess we didn't need it. Well, a lot of gun cons back in the day, at least the one that I'm remembering in my mind, I think it did have like a single joystick, like where the hammer would be. And that could be it. Maybe that was another way so you didn't have to flick it down. You could just kind of flick the hammer. Maybe. That might be what that was for, and we just obviously didn't utilize it. Mm-hmm. But so, you know, out, outside of that, I think, you know, graphics-wise, this is a game that if it holds up to the arcade, yeah. uh, for sure. Um, but graphically, that's not exactly like a big feat either, right? So, yeah, like these, these games not known for their their prowess in the graphics or voice department. Yeah, you. Oh, yeah, on the voice department. So, like the the voicing on this is hilarious. Like there was one guy where he or no, it was a woman. She's like, "Don't come," and then she's like, "Here, here's some light for helping me out." Or another guy was like, "I don't know how that happened." You know, after yeah. he crashed his car. They're all like, just so monotone. The little imp guy's crazy, too, with his yeah. crazy high-pitched voice. It's pretty hilarious. So you're basically, when you buy these games, you're not buying it for the story. You're not buying it for the graphics. You're buying it for the overall gameplay. And so, you know, for me, the gameplay was very true to the arcade. And I felt that I got that experience at home. And that's really ultimately, like, what you want with this game. Yeah, it's it's definitely one of those that you're really going to benefit more from having some nostalgia for. Like, I don't really keep up with rail shooters, but I imagine that there's probably some, you know, pretty good ones out today uh, in comparison to what was done back then. But like, I don't really know that they bring those over. Like, I've seen the um, Jurassic Park one. And stuff when I've been to some, you know, arcades in the more recent years. Um, But like you don't really see a lot of like straight arcade port stuff to console or maybe it's just not a genre and area that I'm really paying attention to could be. I mean, I've seen some weird ones at the arcade. Like I've seen a firefighter rail shooter where you're literally like you hold a fire hose and you're like spraying fire. Like that one's pretty cool. Is that the one where you're on like the, the elevator thing and it takes you up to like different levels? Uh, I don't know, but it had anything like that. It, okay. Maybe there is a version that does that, but this one was a galloping ghost several years ago. And okay. you literally just hold on to like, what's a fire hose essentially. <laughs> I also, uh, I think we have resident evil dead aim is one that we could technically play. Uh, and then I've also played a silent Hill rail shooter actually. Mm. Uh, that was our, I recall it being silent Hill. Uh, but that was also a galloping ghost arcade years ago. And, um, yeah, they were, they were all fun the games that i played there to rail shooters that i've always enjoyed them and you know as long as they're they're you know tweaked correctly and they're not messed up from people banging them around and stuff and they actually hit their targets rail shooters are a ton of fun and you know i think when you look at something like the wii with it being at home you kind of get away from that idea of like you know hey does this actually work can two people play this game because like you're playing on a wii mode and you're aiming at you know your sensor bar so you kind of get away from that whole like worry that somebody has broken the controls things aren't working and it's not calibrated correctly and all of that because it, it frankly it is and it's in the cost work. of quarters because these games can be like pretty cheap feeling in the times that you get hit 
and you know being yeah. able to reload fast enough or react fast enough like the ability to replay these games over and over especially because i'm pretty sure that they do have like multiple routes that you can go down like i distinctly remember there's a part before you go into this like mansion or facility and you can fight like basically one of two bosses by going different directions so being able to like go back and explore and you know get all of the experience out of these games from the comfort of your own couch with somebody else for you know just the price of the game uh, is probably pretty worth it although you know if it's not a game that you're really going to go back and revisit very much. I wonder what the breakdown in price would be between like the amount of quarters it would cost to finish this game versus what it would cost to buy it. Yeah. I, you know, I'm going to do some sure. math. Keep talking, <laughs> you know, well, no, I mean like in terms of like today's arcades, if you were to play this game, like if you went to say fat cats or like a Dave and Buster's, and you were like, hey, I'm going to get 20 credits, right? And I can play a game like this is a game that probably be like two or three credits right off the bat just to get like each round. So this could add up very quickly. I think honestly, it would be cheaper to actually purchase a complete in box version of this or even a loose copy over, you know, doing it at the arcade. So you now, get about were... 15 bucks in quarters to yeah. go through this game. Uh, maybe more That'd depending on how good you are yeah i mean it's doable depending on how good you are but that's factoring in if you're playing it on your own like playing it on your own it's super difficult playing with a second person makes it much easier so you figure a combination of people let's just say 20 bucks and quarters for two people you know yeah that's more than the cost of the game so yeah i mean that, that that's factored in for sure so let's i guess get into brass tax here on the cost so complete in box copy right now run you 1850 that peaked at $30.63 in October, not October, that's April. <laughs> that's April of 2022, and it's trending up right now. And then a loose copy right now run you $14.95. That peaked at $25.39. Uh, that was in May of 2022, and uh, that's trending down right now. You know, at $18.50, um, you know, honestly, I, I like these games a lot. Would I say it's worth $20 bucks, roughly? I mean, it's dependent on the type of gamer you are. If you can bang one of these games out within like an hour or two. Oh, definitely. Yeah, which you can. You know, is it worth 20 bucks to you? Maybe. It's you know? probably no more than like a 40 minute experience start to finish. Yeah, and, and it depends on like replayability right like how much replayability you're getting out of this unless you're speed running it which you really can't or you're trying well, to get high no scores speed run probably but yeah it'd yeah. probably just be high score and exploring around messing around with friends like i would cap this out at like 15 bucks complete in box to call it a good deal i i think yeah. paying 20 bucks is definitely a bit high for a wii game especially a wii game that's just like a port of you know some good but low quality arcade games, you know, I, I definitely think that if it was like, you know, House of the Dead two and three remade in like better graphics or something released on the Wii, maybe we'd be talking. But being that it's like a straight up port of like 90s games. Well, that's something to consider, too, though, is like you're getting both two and three on this. It's not like you're just getting two. Yeah. So, you know. 
I would say that could actually make it a little more worth it because when you're playing at the arcade, sometimes you are only playing House of the Dead 2 or you're only playing House of the Dead 3. Mm-hmm. So think about the quarters that are needed for both of those games. That's true. I guess you know? you're saving on the full experience uh, of both games minus the experience of being in the arcade and having like the gun controller. Well, I know, you know, COVID and flu and all these other things. I mean, <laughs> it is, a, is it worth it, right? Going out there. Um, and I will say, to go back on the speedrunning thing, you technically could speedrun this if you consider the boss battles. Oh, that we, yeah, that's you true. Know? So if you did hit the bosses like really quick um, on eat, like on point each time, you would actually technically be able yeah, to speedrun this. Yeah, that's true. Um, so I do think there's some replayability in that aspect, if that's the type of direction you want to go, or high scores and so on, or just playing with friends. You know, I, for two games... And getting that arcade experience at home, I could see this being worth 20 bucks personally. Okay. Uh, You talked me into it. All right. All right. So I think this one, let's call this one um, deflated. I think that, you know, and given the peak, like people were willing to pay $30 just last year. Yeah. So, or early at least somebody was (laughs) at least somebody was right so yeah i think this is definitely worth the 1850 um still holds up still good graphics are you know decent and uh, the gameplay is pretty decent as well so yeah yeah. it'll probably not go back down to the like you know just over ten dollar average that it was in 2019 it'll probably be hanging out here around the twenty dollar range for now or going probably finding it at 20 wouldn't be a bad deal considering where it'll probably go in the future yeah nice minty copy 20 bucks on the nintendo wii i mean wii games will eventually go up i mean they already kind of are in certain aspects but you know it's at a good price right now and it's it's worth picking up so um, our next game that we're going to play uh, next week is going to be Home Sweet Home on the PlayStation 4. So uh, getting ready for that one. That should be a, a good bit of fun. Extra spooky. Uh, extra, extra spooky. That'll be our closeout to spooky month is Home Sweet Home. So we're taking a home, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this has been episode 257 of the Game of Flaters podcast. My name's John. I'm Ryan. And thanks for listening. <laughs>